Welcome to Video Radio, you can think of us as your curated video store where we cover cult classics, obscurities and hidden gems. I'm your host Sam and I'm joined by Armour. Hey, it's me, Armour. And today we're going to be covering not one, not two, but three movies <laughs> in a trilogy. Uh, yeah. The um, 90s Gamera trilogy uh, directed, all, all three movies directed by uh, Shinsuke Kaneko, um, who... Um, did the Japanese Death Note movies, mm-hmm. um, uh, written by uh, Kazunori Ito, who has, has a ton of screenplay credits on anime, from uh, Dirty Pair to Ghost in the Shell, and a considerable amount of um, Dot .hack. A uh, lot of Dot .hack. And um, uh, scored by uh, composer Ko Otani, famous for, I guess in the West, for Gundam Wing and uh, Shadow of the Colossus. Yep. Uh, the director and composer would also team up together to work on um, Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah, or Monsters Attack. Yeah, so these are a trilogy of monster films. They're basically a reboot of the Dae um, Productions monster film. They were sort of like a, they were like one of the sort of rivals, I'd say, to uh, Toho and their Godzilla films. Though really they didn't have the same amount of like ridiculous resources and um, like cultural impact, I guess. But they're mm-hmm. one of the. But Gamera was regardless like one of the more non-Toho, um, notable non-Toho monster films. Yeah. So uh, my knowledge of um, Japanese monster films is very limited. Basically, these outside of um, Shin Godzilla, these are the first ones I've seen from yeah. Japan. Like the closest things I've uh, otherwise I've seen to these are um, the American, a couple of the American Godzilla films and Pacific Rim. So yeah, <laughs> I, I could be watching a lot better than those. And these are these movies are considerably better than those movies. Yeah, definitely. I I just kind of uh, had a happy coincidence when I happened by these films. I'd actually watched a lot of Godzilla films, and the store that I was working at. They had a couple of like, you know, they had that cheap section where you could get cheap Blu-rays. I picked up a couple of Godzilla films there, which was a good steal, which is which is also great because those have like great poster covers. But also they happen to have this Blu-ray trilogy on there. And I picked it up on a whim and was actually really pleasantly surprised because um, just like they are very high quality monster films. Like there's definitely some uh, special effects of their time that are kind of, you know, a little wonky, especially as far as the CG and stuff. But as far as it uses a lot of the traditional monster movie production techniques, yeah. uh, a lot of suit suit animation, suitmation actors, um, a lot of, you know, model cities blowing up and uh, a lot of puppetry for certain characters. And it's all pretty high quality and pretty impressive stuff. Yeah, I think especially since this comes like after a long like because this is what the nineties, so there's been like mm-hmm. a considerable like forty year history before these movies. So like everyone's kind of perfected their technique. Yeah, they're very experienced. You can definitely tell that they're working with a pretty high grade set of um of talent and um cat uh, staff rather, and they even get. I'd say they definitely get better as um, the films go on. They get a little bit more confidence in the way they, they're plotting and the actual production itself, too, and the way they kind of um, meld the CG into it. Yeah. So but, Yeah, let's start with who Gamera is. 
Yeah, what 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 is a Gamera? Uh, <laughs> Who is he? I guess Gamera is like a giant turtle who might internally have rockets? Yeah, like his legs and arms can retract to how to be rockets, which can either just be used to like zoom into the air like a jet or fly around like a spinning flying saucer. Yeah. It's really cool. <laughs> There's it's a completely impractical way to travel, but yeah. when he t- like basically withdraws all his limbs like a turtle and then just jets of flame shoot out and he spins around like a ufo it's the coolest thing also because of the fact that he flies uh um in midair these movies take advantage of that and have midair battles <laughs> like it's yeah. really cool um when he does the regular rocket appearance uh appearance he um sticks out his like fins to the side like their wings on a jet and then they just straight off have like monster dogfighting scenes in certain um, fights where they'll be flying enemies with um, Gamera and then just like the Japanese self-defense force flying jets and all kind of like having in combat encounters with each other. And then, you know, a lot of those good cuts to, you know, a bunch of triangles on the screens of radar dishes and stuff like that. Yeah. And lots of incoming echolocation and oh, what's this huge thing? And there's nothing, there's no way something that big could move that fast and things like that. <laughs> yeah. So Gamera is the defender of the earth. A friend of children. Yeah. Uh, Apparently that's like one of his uh, big characteristics as he was originally originally appeared in earlier films. Um, yeah. They don't really lean into that in these, uh, but they do have a couple scenes that kind of reference it. Uh, there, there are there's definitely moments where he's kind of protecting, like when he's like kind of being lax with the destruction of certain areas, but very still considerate of uh, children around. Yeah, and that's good. Yeah, so we're we're just uh, there's a lot of film here, but most of them are kind of the same as far as gen- general uh, plot structure and arc. So yeah. we're gonna kind of just hit the big bullet points of them real quick. I think- one thing we do need to sort of get forward through is Gamera's kind of like built purpose. It's kind of hinted throughout these movies that he is um, potentially man-made by a lost civilization. Yeah. And so they, as a, as yeah, a protector of the earth, um, he is basically built to fight off anything that may be a threat to the earth. And the, these movies kind of have like a slight um, environmental angle to them. Yeah. Uh, and there's always a feeling, like, there's always a conversation of, well, Gamera could turn on us. Mm-hmm. So the, the way they set it up is in the first film, they kind of uh, imply, they have some characters have some theories of there's a lost civilization, basically something like an Atlantis that um, advanced too far and, you know, s- created their own doom. And Gamera is a beast who, would, who they created to be awakened when, you know, disaster is about to fall befall the planet once again yeah but yeah like you said specifically to protect earth itself rather than um humanity right yeah to basically just balance out the scales the planet regardless of you know what that requires absolutely um so within the first movie which is um the most straightforward uh we have these um 
bird-like pterodactylish monsters called the Gyaus, mm-hmm. um, who kind of come about because of uh, I think it's hinted that kind of the way that w- humans are polluting the earth has kind of um, created uh, like conditions that are suitable for them. Yes, uh, and they are kind of feeding on things and gradually getting bigger over the course of the movie. Yeah, so um, they're reawakened. They're like I think they also hint that they're part of what destroyed the ancient civilization, but they're yeah. um, hinted to, you know, we created pollution and now we've woken them up for the perfect conditions. And now they're feeding yeah. on our uh, destruction. And it's pretty much, it's kind of like Gamera's arch rival, in a mm-hmm. way, in that, like, they exist to be, like, they exist because, uh, I mean, Gamera exists because of them, because mm-hmm. of what they've destroyed. Uh, so this move, this first movie, uh, Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, kind of sets up the characters we'll get to know. Mm-hmm. So we have um, uh, Asagi, who is a young girl who is handed uh, at one point, which is found by um, is it her father. I think her father is like the insurance inspector. So what happens is near the beginning of the film, they have uh, there's a navy ship carrying some radioactive cargo, which also almost gets spilled. And then I believe it's one of the Navy uh, officers or uh, one of the people on the ship who feels responsible for almost, you know, spilling nuclear yeah, nuclear material there um, that he wants to find out what it was that, you know, rocked the ship and almost destroyed his fleet. So he goes along with Asagi's dad, I think, who is the insurance inspector for those Navy ships. And he yeah. they find like a, a the... English subtitles call them a comma-shaped bead. Um, I yeah. think they specifically say magatama in Japanese, which is you yeah. know a comma-shaped bead, which is like a kind of common like um, spiritual associated item in Japan. Yeah. So um, the character, the young girl Asagi, ends up with one of these mm-hmm. and uh, becomes psychically linked to Gamera. <laughs> yeah. In so far as any any. Uh, attack or scratch or wound on Gamera is seen on her as well. Yeah, but also uh, the other she... way around, she can. It's yeah. like implied that she can like send her spiritual energy to him. Yeah, and also we have the characters of uh, Inspector Osako, who is a cop with no luck. <laughs> the worst luck. The the worst days of his life. Yeah, he repeatedly um, comes through the. He returns through the film basically to just be a bumbling fool and you know just have another bad day <laughs> yeah he his second i mean and in the second film he shows up as a police as a like warehouse security guard yeah and after the fi- events just, of this film it just has the one cameo where the monster shows up and he's like oh no i can't deal with this yeah um he's the one who a... actually requires um uh, recruits scientist mayumi nagamine yes who's like who... a, a bird expert i think they said yeah, so she's hired to do research on the Gauss, and they kind of found, oh no, these Gauss are huge and terrifying, and there's not much we can do about them, so then Gamera shows up to fuck them up. Yeah, they they have her, they kind of like rush her into a judgment. They say, hey, we gotta get these things, we gotta capture them, uh, come up with a plan for us, and she's like, yeah, you gotta give me more time than this, and they're like, you gotta come up with something now, and they basically just come up with like a makeshift plan to... Yeah. Lure the Gauss to like a I forgot what baseball stadium it is, but it, they basically like it's it's a coastal one. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like Coastal Baseball Stadium. They get like basically a bunch of cow carcasses and lure them in there. And then like, yeah, their plan is to like close the ceiling of the dome and shoot them full of uh, tranquilizer. Yeah, and they do, they do kind of capture a couple. But then it's also this Gamera shows up and like, no, you're not going to capture these. I'm going to kill them. Yeah, one of them gets away and Gamera shows up and just destroys them and yeah. rampages through the city to kill them. Is this is that the scene where they like destroy an entire like oil field or like oil station? I think so. Yeah. And there's just like a massive fireball of just uh those circular oil containers just blowing up <laughs> across yeah, the yeah, water. Ga- Gamera shoots fireballs out of his mouth, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Gamera also shoots fireballs out of his mouth. Um Yeah. That that's uh they also established soon after that that the Gauss can like basically shoot hyper concentrated vibrations like yeah. sound vibrations that act basically like a laser knife and cut through everything it's 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 base it feels like um uh kind of looks like um uh metal gear ray mm. it's got the laser out of its mouth yeah um maybe does that have like a laser like that maybe uh basically the way that they depict it is like one of those lasers that mm. would cut things like one of those ultra, you know, diamond fibers or something like an assassin would use, where there's this yeah. very clean precision cuts through everything, including like just buildings. Like you see buildings get sliced in half and just fall apart. <laughs> um, yeah, there's all of these movies have considerable amounts of destruction as you'd want. Yeah. Eventually, uh, they, uh, the one Gallus gets away. And they start growing larger and larger and turn into uh, a super gauss, they call it. Yeah. It's Which is uh, a big old fist fight. Yeah. So they, they end up in like Tokyo. They, the gauss like destroys Tokyo Tower. Which, and by they- the way, over, over the course of these three movies, that Tokyo Tower is like not rebuilt. Yeah. It remains it's, destroyed. Yeah. It's, it's just like a lingering thing throughout these movies. It's yeah. really good. There's also a couple details about what's happening to the Japanese uh, stock market and how that's yeah. affecting the world economy. Yeah, it's these they're all kind of like there as like mostly asides. Um there's like a one-off gag uh earlier where like when Gamera and Gauss show up and like the they proposed a bill for the Japanese SDS to do with it. <laughs> like, kind yeah. of taking the mick out of the slow government process and he, yeah he you know goes, i could make a whole movie out of this <laughs> yeah it's I'm not a mo- it's not a that. monster film if you don't see somebody debating if they're allowed to use the japanese self-defense force no they go straight into it uh, yeah and make a hasty decision <laughs> yeah so yeah they it builds a nest on the tokyo tower and then naturally they have their big final confrontation there where gamera you know gets an even bigger beam and then they shoot beams at each other <laughs> and then annihil- and get annihilated. Um, Guardian yeah. of the Universe is, like you said, like a really straightforward film. Um, mm. They, you know, set up the intrigue. The monsters show up. The monsters reach Japan. And then they ha- end up in Tokyo and they make a big mess of everything. And then you get the big confrontation. Uh, it's mostly notable for, you know, the characters it sets up who become yeah. recurring. Not in the next film. Um, I mean, what, yeah. the inspector comes back. The inspector every... comes back for a cameo, and um, I think Asagi uh, comes back. Asagi comes back more towards the halfway point, towards the end. Yeah, 
Um, so they they remain like a presence and they're pretty interesting. There's also like I forgot what his name is, but just this just government agent who's like really full of himself and yeah, kind of talks down to Nagamine. It's it's a kind of a stock character, but the guy does it so well. Yeah, um, he's just, you know, the guy with the slick back hair and like really big glasses framing his his <laughs> his face and it's he's like just has this shit-eating grin. He's so self-confident yeah. about himself, despite him never Ooh. doing anything useful. Well, I don't know about this Gamera guy. And just <laughs> a smug fuck face. Yeah, so that's mo that's pretty much Guardian of the Universe. The second movie, uh, Attack of Legion, has probably, like, the coolest monster out of all of these. Yeah, they really lean yeah. into, like, a lot of horror movie directions. Yeah, yeah the, the, like... Because, like, initially, like, the monsters arrive on a meteor, like, from space in this case, uh, uh, a bunch of, like, basically, like, human, like, slightly bigger than human-sized insects. Yeah, they um, create, the, there's a big, um, there's, like, some children and, on a field trip, meteors land, and it creates, like, an aurora. Yeah, um, but, so, there's a lot of, like, shots of, like, train, like, there's a bit in the subway tunnel where it gets dark, and, like, these insects come through and uh, basically like eat up. Uh, yeah, that you kind of you kind people. of don't see them for a lot of the yeah, opening of the like, film. You get these like, like Evil Dead or Predator like shots of like their yeah. viewpoints, and they're sort of it's like an infrared vision. And then it's like you see like the people scream and then cut away to blood splattering on a window. Yeah, blood splattering or like a like a leg coming out and like going through somebody's body and stuff like that. Yeah, like, they really the, the second... set up a lot of like dark shots and um, yeah. things approaching from the shadows. So, um, uh, the detail, like, so these little insects, they kind of they feed off of s silicone. Yeah, they like uh. eat silicon and they communicate with elect like strong electromagnetic waves, which is why yeah. like, electronics start going haywire. They they specifically say they can't like use the radios. Yeah, so they short um, them. So the uh the way they find out they can eat silicone is they basically end up in a uh a beer warehouse where um uh the inspector has work gotten work as a security guard. Yeah. And they find that like they they've basically eaten all the beer bottles but none of the beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the aftermath contained with them. <laughs> um and then they kind of like track like a bunch of power outages throughout yeah. Japan as they kind of absorb the energy along the way. Yeah. So yeah. A, the, it's basically they're called Legion because they get these insects be called just get called Legion because they are considerable in number. Yeah, they're uh, like a giant like, hive that kind of um Yeah, so eventually they, they band together and like they create of like fuse. a big flower. Hmm. There's, There's like this flower. part, yeah, they go into like the train station, right? Yeah. And and there's like a... Kind of go. amalgamate into this one giant uh, hive legion. Yeah, specifically they kind of like take over a space and there's like a SWAT team sent down to investigate it and they find out that like it's creating huge amounts of oxygen. Yeah. And preparing to basically make a flower that launches like a rocket. Yeah. To spread its spores across the 
<laughs> the country like they they basically estimate that it would destroy most of the city in the launch and then you know spread uh, legion throughout the country um yeah but gamma shows up and blows it up yeah he just destroys it he just destroys um, it but it doesn't stop them from creating yeah. the big uh the giant the giant legion oh but also like the the best like when Gamera like shows up to fight just a load of little insects, but compared to him, obviously they're big compared to us. But like, there's yeah. this really cool bit where they just like, like get surrounded by these things. Like Gamera is covered in them, and it's like, yeah, like, it's I guess it's, it's a really just insects, like skin crawling. It's, yeah, it's like oh, but I thought that was like yeah. really fun. It really sells the kind of like you know number of them the overwhelming yeah. amount of them and then you know they coalesce into an even bigger bug who's like yeah. a combination spaceship or hive yeah and it's like twice the size maybe even bigger than gamera it's huge and it shoots out a bunch of the little ones too yeah so they have like basically like air squadron fights <laughs> yeah with the japan self-defense force Second movie is real good with the monster stuff. Yeah, the, um, the the smaller ones, you know, like the Gauss, the smaller ones are portrayed with like I think puppetry. Yeah, it's like a lot way. of puppetry. Um, um, and then the larger ones, you know, they get a full suit actor to perform. Um, but there's also just like really cool mechanical details of them. Uh, yeah. the big Legion, their mandibles kind of like split open, and then they start charging like a like an electromagnetic wave beam. Yeah, it's really cool. It looks great. It's just always like firing electricity shit everywhere. So cool. Yeah. And so they eventually like lure some of the smaller ones into like like a like like an NHK yeah. <laughs> broadcast station, like the national um I'm not sure exactly what the status of NHK is, but it's basically Japan's like national um channels. Yeah. Kind of like the BBC or something, right? Yeah, I guess. Uh, I'm not. I'm not too familiar with NHK, but like, yeah, it's, that's a channel you can kind of find like anywhere in the world. That's the kind of like the channel they have. Like, if you have like a s satellite um or a cable, mm -hmm. uh, you'll find them on there. Yeah, it's like Japan's official, like out, you know, yeah, uh, production. But they basically like, just get a whole bunch of them to get to a station. So that they can take care of them while Gamera fights the big one. Yeah. And, and they have this really like, ah, I think like the sun is setting or something like that. And there's a lot of very good um, wide shots of them on each side fighting each yeah. other. Because they, they basically like, for a lot of it, fight each other from a distance, firing uh, fireballs and electricity against each other. Yeah, you know, they're doing a DBZ. <laughs> so... Is the second one right? Is like where Gamera comes in from the air, and then like as he like lands, is drifting across the ground and fires fireballs as he's still drifting onto the ground. <laughs> yeah, it's the coolest oh, man. thing. The choreography of these films is really good, especially yeah. as they get more um, confident with the way that they do their CG. Honestly, like as much as like we're like going on about these movies if you you haven't seen them i really do recommend like tracking them down 
Yeah, I, I mean, you're not going to lose a lot by just knowing the plot details. Yeah. If anything, like, when you see them, you'll understand. Yeah, it's like, you see it and it's like, oh, wow, cool. Like, it's 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 monsters fighting each other. Like, it, it's a good guy against an evil monster. Like, there's not a lot of, like, plot nuance that you're going to be surprised by. Yeah, there's like, some interesting things with the way that they, you know, wrap yeah. up their mysticism. And they have very different vibes, the three films. But like, yeah. especially the second, like the second one is probably the best standalone one because it doesn't use a lot of recurring plot elements. And yeah. the ones that it does, you know, you kind of get right away. But yeah, the monster it's... itself is just uh, really works. The horror, the way that it goes from like the horror movie vibe into the larger scale um, monster fights is really good. And they never really lose um, that sense of the smaller one because of Legion. Yeah. So you kind of get the there's it's kind of operate the second film kind of operates on like two scales with the smaller ones operating with the human scale. Yeah. As mm, you it, kind of like see them fighting in the broadcast station. There's even a part where like a guy yeah. just pulls a gun and like runs right up to one of them and shoots it in the face. Yeah. From point thing, blank. Like it, it, it will play both of these like simultaneously as well. Mm -hmm. And mm. both of them feel just as dramatic. Yeah. And like always terrifying it's really good yeah so like just a production aside like the second film especially kind of does a good job of connecting the two scales where sometimes it feels like once you switch to the monsters fighting uh yeah you kind of lose the feeling of what matters to, to why it matters to the people on the ground i would say the third film does not lose that towards the end yeah yeah so shall we talk about the third one yeah, let's go into the third one. So this is the Revenge of Iris, and this is where it learn leans like full into the mysticism that they kind of uh, <laughs> they kind of hint at. So the parts where they're talking about, you know, uh, we're polluting the earth and creating space for these monsters here, right? Yeah. Um, they straight up <laughs> go into. Um, Oh, so I guess this is before before we get into that. At the end of the second film, Gamera basically yeah. does a huge chest beam, and you see like a shot from space as he gathers the Earth's energy. Yeah, and then he fires it from his chest to disintegrate Legion. <laughs> um, and in so Revenge of Iris. Oh yeah, go yeah. ahead. No, I would say like so. Part of that is also um, Asagi. Is that Asagi? no Asagi? Yeah, Asagi, who shows up towards the end of that movie kind of calling on a lot of like people and children to like mm -hmm. send their will and like oh yeah to gamera and there's that kind of powerful movement of like people's like uh support for gamera like i feel like yeah because actually like, it breaks the psychic connection she has to gamera yeah well Cause yeah because uh, it, it got broken in the first one but now it's just he's connected to the earth and you know we're part of the earth yeah that but, kind like, of thing it like it's kind of broken in the first one, but it's like mm -hmm. explicitly broken. Like the the Magatama like shatters in the second mm -hmm. one. Yeah. Um and there there's actually a really cool shot because the way these work is uh Gamera doesn't usually just win the fight. Yeah. He loses and comes back. And in the second one, he's like sort of dead. <laughs> yeah. He like turns to stone and goes into resting, and like a bunch of um Families and children go to the site where, you know, Gamera has been frozen and then, like, you know, send their vibes to him. And he basically wakes up to go fight Legion. 
And as they watch the fight, they all send their hopes to him. And you just kind yeah. of get the good emotional climax of him um, gathering the Earth's energy to shoot, <laughs> you know, a spirit bomb, but it's the Iron Man chest beam. So Gamera 3. Yeah. So in the Revenge of Iris, they formalize the Earth's energy as mana. Yes. Um... And this is uh, explained in the part where um, they bring back um, Nagamine. Yeah, the, the original scientist from the first movie. Mm-hmm. And she finds this out as somebody plays a piece of software for her that tracks the Earth's mana on a Dreamcast. Yeah, it's, it's on a Dreamcast. It's right, a Sega Dreamcast. Yeah, they uh, say he made a very popular si bunch of very popular simulation games, and I'm like, okay, I don't know, I don't know if these were games were popular in Japan, but I definitely did not see Mana Tracking Simulator alongside <laughs> Sonic Adventure 2 in the shops here. <laughs> Look, I don't know about the the, the Japanese uh, Dreamcast scene as much. You know, they <laughs> they had a lot more interesting games than us. Probably they lasted yeah, a little bit longer. They did. They still make Dreamcast games, it turns out. They still out. do. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then we find out that the developer of this mana-tracking Dreamcast game is this, like, very flamboyant, nihilistic game developer. And yeah. he has teamed up with the government's chief fortune teller. <laughs> <laughs> Which is when we find out the government has a chief fortune teller. Yeah, it's like, it just comes up in this movie, and... I don't think they just does, they just say it like it's a regular staff position it, you'd have on a government. And she doesn't do like a particularly a lot of like fortune telling. She's just kind of like like she like brings up like oh like some ominous things, but never like explicitly says anything. Yeah, I mean that's what a fortune teller um, does, right? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, so the monster in this one. Is a, is like kind of more of a like a mythical kind of like being. Um, yeah. In that, so uh, the sort of one of the central characters is um, uh, Ayana, a sort of teenage girl named Ayana, who's um, kind of with a different family. Yes. Because uh, like her family kind of died in the Tokyo attack. Um, yeah. As collateral damage from uh, Gamera. Yeah. So she does not like Gamera. She's not a friend of this child. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she explicitly wants to get revenge on Gamera for taking away her yeah, family and bring uh, her with a family. A kind of... Uh, um, it's, a it's cold to her? Yeah, the family is like not... Because they don't want... like Especially, they explicitly said that they don't... They wanted to use their name. Mm -hmm. Like, as though like they want to like kind of... And she feels like doesn't really want to do that because like that's kind of like uh getting rid of her name her family that like yeah. she still is attached to and still kind of angry over because of Gamera. So... Yeah, they say it's an old village and kind of implying that people will look down upon them for her not being part of the family. Yeah. And which so... Yeah, go ahead. I mean like the thing, like her going against like the villagers' tradition, is kind of what like causes the big uh, conflict of this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, so this like, the village she lives in has a tradition of like a monster that is sealed with a stone in a mm -hmm. shrine, and uh, the teenage boy who kind of seems to like be friends with her a lot and supportive, um, is like 
from the family who are guardians of that stone. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's kind of a central character, kind of hangs around a lot, her a lot. And um, so she's kind of at one point bullied into taking the stone out. Um, mm-hmm. And that kind of like, uh, like she takes the stone out and it basically destroys enough of the area. Like enough of the area kind of breaks apart that she can't put the stone back. Yeah. Um, and there's a little bit of a weird um, mystical aura around this thing because they mentioned later yeah. that a sumo wrestler came and tried to move it and couldn't do it yeah so there's a uh, kind of something I, about her specifically that allowed her to be able to move it yeah it's probably her negative energy mm-hmm. um and uh so what comes out is this little squid kind of monster yeah they um, kind of um imply that it could be sort of like a mutated form of one of the gauss that was yeah. sealed away um, yeah, but it of... looks dramatically different yeah uh it's a lot more initially it's there's kind of more color to it yeah um it's but... it's like a it looks like a pokemon <laughs> yeah initially it looks it like one of those turtle pokemon <laughs> um so she names it um iris after her cat. Uh, after her cat that died uh, in the uh, Gamera attack. Uh-huh. Um, it eats by sticking its tentacles into things and then sucking yeah. it out with, like, a sharp object. Yeah, there's, there's a bit where she brings a load of food and wants to feed it, and she's not sure how... Because it doesn't have a mouth. <laughs> it doesn't have a mouth, so and it just sticks its uh, tentacle inside a little... It's like a can, talon. Uh, and just starts sucking on the can. And the can just, like, gets sucked in and, like, (laughs) compressed. (laughs) And, yeah, it basically, like, takes on her um, energy. Yeah. And, like, responds to her. Feeding off of her. And, like, uh, after a point, like, basically uh, attempts to absorb her. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, has her, like, basically, as it's growing, is kind of having, like, her, like, basically just envelops her in, like, itself i don't know how yeah. to, like, really properly uh, describe eventually it. it just gets like big enough where it just uh becomes big enough to envelop her and then yeah. it just like sh- takes out its tentacles pulls her inside and she just kind of like remains in stasis inside of it kind of yeah. like an embryonic state yeah until like the the young boy uh breaks her out of it yeah um, but at that point it's like too late there's yeah oh, there's also like a a weird thing where there's, there's another similar Magatama shaped, you know, Magatama style bead. Yeah, that she has. That uh, she becomes, so she becomes psychically connected to it. And then it kind of evolves yeah. into a more human-ish form. Yeah. And like during also like this monster, like pretty much like devastates the, the small village, like mm-hmm. murders her foster family. Yeah. You like, we later uh, find out that it, it killed like half the village. Yeah. And then it becomes like a very a much larger um, being as it feeds through the countryside and heads towards the city to get revenge on Gamera. Yeah, like it. it it's 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 um, this really the design of it is really striking. Yeah, and and like there's a, there's a like I don't think like um the like action in this movie I don't think is as strong particularly. As it is in like Attack of Legion, yeah, but, it's definitely that staged as well. 
Yeah, but the emotional context that that um that uh Ayana brings to uh the monster like like really like makes this movie a lot more interesting. Yeah, there's um, a lot of like uh, metaphorical conflicts here. Yeah, and and like it just gets like bigger and like eventually absorbs in Ayana again and Gamera has to be the the one to um uh save her and it like it, it kind of can like ends in this kind of like really like there's a lot more crap it's not like they're not fighting over a big city by the end it's like basically in in the interior of one yeah building. there's a there's a very uh despite like it being sort of larger scale in ter- like sorry lar- excuse me larger scale in terms of the geography of where fights occur the yeah. actual conflicts are much more intimate yeah it's, and emotional it's, um, yeah so they um, and iris provides kind of like like you said that good emotional content and then this um uh like it sets up interesting conflicts with gamera so gamera yeah. here is they go back to the part where gamera is a protector of the earth specifically yeah and we see a much more like aggressive and ferocious gamera yeah like he's not he's not he's basically because he's because there are gauss around and he's fighting them off yeah, uh, so there's there's not... still like survivors of the Gauss, and he's coming yeah. there, but he doesn't care about collateral damage. They give him yeah. a much uh, fiercer look. I'm not sure exactly what they changed, but his face is definitely like a lot more severe, and the fangs seem like much larger. And he comes in, um, destroys yeah. a lot of things with collateral damage from his rockets. Oh yeah, he is so he has a lot less regard for. Um... Human uh, life, human life, yeah, and I think that that plays into more of the kind of um, environmental angle that yeah. like is is kind of like hinted for these movies in that like Gamera could very easily turn on the human race because they are uh, damaging the planet. They are the the these levels of pollution and negativity, mm-hmm. like especially throughout the first and last movie. Like humanity is kind of what's responsible for these monsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and so, and so you see the Gauss getting more mutated and even larger. There's like a new strain of them, and then Iris is kind of there to provide that other parallel of specifically, you know, the human, the human fault there, yeah. and how they, you know, I mean, Iris is literally teaming up with the human right and becoming yeah, more what, human-like. It's it's basically also just like developing another like weapon to take on like something you fear mm, and that and, damage that can cause yeah and then so gamma becomes uh feared by the government and they say well maybe we should not be you know teaming up with gamma anymore and there's these really harrowing shots of gamma landing and you see like the streets collapse to reveal like the people in the underground shopping malls being terrified of gamma and yeah gamma shooting i think it's sh- like Shinjuku he lands in? Yeah, it was Shibuya. Shibuya, Shibuya. Yeah, he lands in Shibuya and basically like sets the whole district on fire. Yeah. And you just see him fly away from the entire city being engulfed in flame. It's uh, definitely Shibuya because you can see the landmark uh, building from uh, The World Ends With You. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think Uh, has a different number on it. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, Iris kind of looks like an Evangelion, to be honest. Yeah, it's it's kind of like very um, angel-ish. Yeah, there's very much this shot where uh, Iris is in human form um, walking over the hills, like behind the hills, yeah. in this uh, specific perspective that I'm just like, this is just Evangelion. <laughs> this is just Ava. What's happening? Oh yeah, yeah. But then they, like you say, they go into like a very small. They end up fighting through the city and end up in like a very. Is it a train yeah. station? It's it's. I think it looks like a train station or like a Moorish kind of area. Um, yeah. But like, or like, like a where... shopping street, something like indoor shopping street or something like that. Yeah, that's as where, beams like... collapse around them. And it's kind of like a lot more of a fist fight. Like yeah, they're like, like standing like, right next to each other and just fist fighting. Yeah, they're like holding on to each other mm-hmm. towards the end. And Gamera's yeah. pinned up against the wall. Um, yeah. Iris tries to absorb Gamera, and there's this really painful shot of Gamera escaping, um, being absorbed by Iris by shooting fire at its own fists and blowing yeah. its arm off. It's, um, um, as it's it reaches into Iris to like rip Ayana out of the sack that she's um, in. Yeah. Where she's like basically going through all her memories and realizing what's happened and like the destruction she's caused. Yeah. It's, um, and like eventually she realizes that like, so the camera is there to save her life and to save other people. Mm hmm. Uh, and like, kind of has like a real- realization that like, like Gamera wasn't like trying to destroy her parents. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that her anger is kind of misplaced, and in her anger, yeah. she's destroyed a lot of the things that she's loved. Yeah, you know. And so, as we get to that emotional climax, we get it to the climax of the fight, where she's ripped out, and um, Iris shoots some kind of like I forgot what exactly how the weapon works for Iris, but they shoot. You know, they shoot a beam. <laughs> yeah, they they shoot beams. They like hit each other the oh cool yeah uh gamera (laughs) yeah gamera uses his um amputated arm to punch (laughs) back the beam (laughs) back into iris oh it's really good oh you should Uh, if you if you if you've listened to this and you're like if you said this is cool at any point during listening to any of this you should be watching this film just watch the movie. It's good. They're great. Uh, they're really fun. Yeah, they're really fun. Like we talked about the production before, but also we should note the music. Um yeah. Koatani uh, doing some work here to make things feel even bigger. Yeah, there's some real kind of like ominous like uh like low like strings and horns and like a, Yeah. And like a lot of like dissonant like high pitched like strings. Like if you've if you like I've ever played like Shadow of the Colossus. It is it is very much that kind of music. Maybe with a bit more synths thrown in there. Um, yeah. Like so the same kind I mean, of like imposing kind of soundtrack. Yeah, just like booming and melancholy and driving. Yeah, and and kind of like dissonant and uh, discordant yeah. in places. Yeah, exactly. Um, that game came out much. <laughs> Much later than this movie and the Godzilla film he worked on, so I would not yeah. be surprised if they picked him specifically because they <laughs> saw him do big monster movie soundtracks and they're like, 
we need you to do big monster music. Yeah, I mean, like his other notable work being like, Gundam Wing, and that's like has some of that in there, but it's a lot of um uh hard rock, jazzy stuff. Yeah, this one is definitely very much more in that big orchestral space, and yeah. you can kind of trace um the lineage like straight to it. Absolutely. Um, uh, the the thing I re- I really want to talk about in regards to the overview of like all three of these movies is the um environmental um like uh slant i know i've kind of like brought that up several times now but like i think um that plays a lot more differently now than it did than it would have in the 90s yeah so uh, the stuff that they're talking about there is like a lot of the industrialization um pollution like acid rain those kinds of things yeah but now we're on like the verge of a like of environmental collapse and so you're seeing a lot of like modern monster movies work in the same space right yeah and like the the idea like literally we're recording this like i'm in the uk on what is uh the hottest day on record Uh, yeah like literally the highest temperature ever (laughs) on record has been recorded in the united kingdom and it's yeah, and- terrifying how like this planet is uh getting too warm and like they and we're in relatively cool places right we're, yeah. we don't live in tropical places like the philippines or japan that would be in this film yeah where there's there there's a lot more um humid climates already to start with oh yeah that's the the, the like the UK is starting to reach in places over a hundred Fahrenheit, which it never—that's that it never usually yeah. does that. Yeah, and I'm in and Chicago, which is pretty known for temperate, for being a pretty city. temperate climate. Climate, yeah. <laughs> We're known for being a pretty temperate, temperate uh, climate. Pretty windy, very much known for snow. I have not seen snow in a long time. I right, we rarely see snow. It doesn't stick around for long. Sometimes it snows in the middle of spring and then it'll go away and then rain the next day. Um, the weather is completely erratic. And yeah, this film plays very differently now that we live in that world. Yeah. Um, and you can kind of see similar threads and stuff like the American, the recent American Godzilla movies. Yeah, I, th- I think as well, just like the idea of Gamera turning against the people. I think like if the movie, like, if there was another Gamera movie and it headed in that direction, it would feel completely earned at this point. Yeah, there's definitely um, precedent for it, for sure, right? Yeah. And I mean, and this is, uh, I know you haven't seen the recent Godzilla King of the Monsters. No, I have not but, seen uh, <laughs> Just, Just to spoil, like, one detail about it, Atlantis exists. Oh, cool. <laughs> like legitimately Godzilla hangs out in Atlantis like Gamera. Oh wow, nice. And it's very much the film about, you know, the environment is gonna be destroyed. And plays in similar themes, except that this one this movies these movies these movies are a lot better. Yeah, Gamera is uh I so I don't know. I chose not to watch um uh the last Godzilla movie in cinema. I yeah. had an opportunity to see it for free, and I just turned it down still. But <laughs> it's it's fine, you know. You made the right choice. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you 
you know, I'm I'm the uh, movie monster person here. Uh, I do. I am not. Def- I am definitely not one of those expert people. I have a lot of strong opinions about the films and their themes and things like that. Yeah. So I very much did not like any of the recent American attempts at monster movies. Um, but that said, if you watch, especially especially if you've watched those and found them interesting, um. I would say please watch this film. Yeah. Please, please. watch these three films. Like, um, please watch the Godzilla done mm-hmm. Godzilla film done by the same team, uh, All That Monsters Attack. I'll need to. I, I, yeah, I mean, hey, maybe maybe we'll return for that one. Yeah. It so yeah, I like because I'm someone who's like I guess because I watch a lot of um uh Japanese media. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh the the monster movie kind of being a large part of of like that that as a cultural export yeah like the tokusatsu being, stuff yeah like godzilla and power rangers being like notable exports mm-hmm. um in that so like that's kind of i've kind of been aware of that as part of that and i guess by being a bit of a weeb <laughs> i've been always <laughs> been like i should watch a japanese monster movie i should watch more of those uh, yeah, and I would you say this is a good place to start? I would. I I had a great time. Like this, this the thing is, is like there's no context needed. Like Gamera mm-hmm. shows up and shows you all that he can do, and you don't need like you don't need lore for a big turtle with like rocket legs. Yeah, he's a rocket turtle. Yeah, and like he's they, a turtle who turns into a spinning rocket. Like the first one of these, like these, this is a series of reboots. So like. The idea is that it's for a newer audience, so yeah. they're, they're they're very much. I would like, like if you want to get into Japanese monster movies, um, go for it. Yeah, this is also like, it's great because it's a trilogy and it has a clean arc. Yeah, like, but it it definitely does the trilogy thing of like the first, yet the first movie that sets everything up, mm-hmm. a second movie that kind of like goes into its own sort of thing, yeah, with a different monster, and then like the third movie. Especially with like characters showing up again, like the scientist from the first movie shows up, take a central role. The inspector from the first movie um, shows up as a homeless guy and then comes back in uh, to have a central role. Yeah, they um, they kind of play it for comedy, but he's obviously traumatized by repeatedly yeah. being in all the uh, places that the monsters are. Um, and it's it's very much like circling around to sort of com- kind of complete the the full arc, which is and like as a trilogy, these movies work great. Yeah, the Iris really gets that punctuation mark at the end and gives you that emotional uh, climax. Yeah. And, you know, they always end the films with, one day, Gamera might come for us. Yeah. And it works well as just kind of like a closing bracket on the themes of the movies and kind of leaving that space for, you know, it's just like a little, it's that note section at the back of the manual where it leaves you some time to think about the movie. Yeah. Um, do you have any other thoughts? I think we both really enjoyed these films. Oh yeah, for sure. They were very easy to watch. Yeah, like. But they're also there's a lot to appreciate about them. I think this is like my third time seeing these films, and I was kind of just like, <laughs> I found like new things to appreciate about them and how much they cohere together. Yeah, especially watching them in quick succession. Yeah, because we watched these over like two weeks, I think. Yeah. And God, the fucking Dreamcast! 
<laughs> oh man yeah there's like so many elements in this that seem like absolutely ridiculous and it's got enough self-awareness where it pulls it off but it's just like a mystical a mystical ancient civilization built a rocket turtle to protect the earth's mana which is a ufo turtle yeah which is being tracked by a dreamcast game which is apparently very popular <laughs> you know dreamcast very niche console oh. uh it was 1999 yeah. the movie came out yeah. in 1999 20 years ago yeah uh, uh, the first movie was 95, 24 years ago. Yeah, but yeah, fantastic films. Please yeah. go watch them. Yeah, just, just tell please you watch again. them. If you, want, if you want to just, if you want an introduction or you just want to see some high quality monster fights, um, this will give you a lot to dig into. Yeah, they, these movies don't have to be homework. Like, you just, they're just good. Yeah, they're just good. They're just good like, movies. Like, don't, don't watch them because like, oh, I want to know about Kaiju. No, just just good movies. Just watch them. They're fun. Yeah, they're just entertaining. <laughs> yeah, sometimes yeah, sometimes I feel like definitely if you're doing like film podcast stuff, it can be like, oh, now I got to watch the thing. Like, this is a homework movie now. I got to watch, I don't know, some, I got to watch The Seventh Seal or something. Got to watch some <laughs> Ingvar Bergman. Got to watch a three-hour Kurosawa film or something, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, these movies are good, <laughs> and that's they the take thing. up a lot less time than you think they will. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, we watched the first one. And my, like, I was, like, very eager to just watch the next two, because, like, it's, it's so fun. I've had yeah. such a good time watching them, and they just feel, like, relevant as well. Yeah, they're relevant again, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think we said what we came here to say. We could keep yeah. talking about these films, and we could just tell you how great they are for another hour. Yeah, I mean, it's just literally just, like, you and me yelling, they're so good, they're so <laughs> yeah. fun. I'm having a great time. Uh, <laughs> That's it. That's it. The thing and flies and then does the laser bit and then he goes up in the sky and then he also goes up in the sky and they fight in the sky and they have a monster dog fight. Yeah, it's like just this movies are just turning us into excited children, but I'm also maybe like <laughs> delirious from the the heat. I'm sweating. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I have to have my I, fan we, off and my window Yeah, closed. we've both turned off our fans and air conditioning. So we should probably uh, wrap this up and finish before our brains melt. Yeah. Uh, um, you, can, you can find uh, me on Twitter at Samuel Howitt. That's Samuel H-O-W-I-T-T. And where can we find you on Twitter, Armour? You can find me at cigarettes at uh, S-I-E-G-A-R-E-T-T-E-S where I do a lot of other stuff. There's also a YouTube channel where sometimes me and Sam play shoot-em-ups. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, you I know, there, Sam, did you know that there's a Gamera PlayStation 1 rail shooter? Ooh. With live-action cutscenes? Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, uh... Hey, so maybe there'll be a video of that sometime oh, soon on that channel. Maybe uh, I'm going to have to lobby for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. All right, everybody go drink a lot of water. <laughs> Don't melt uh, and watch some monster movies. See ya. Until next time. Peace. Bye.